Daniel chapter 9, the plea and the plan. Now, Daniel 9 contains what has been called the backbone of prophecy. We studied a week or two ago an element of prophecy which I called the key to understanding prophetic revelation in general, and that's true. But like a backbone is to a skeleton, like it is to the structure of the body, the reason a vertebrate is able to stand erect is because of the spine. And the reason a prophecy can be assembled into a body which stands on its own as self-validating and makes sense is because of this spine, this backbone found in Daniel chapter 9, which explains the time element in all of the prophecies having to do with the end times and the coming of the Messiah. The backbone of prophecy is found in the last verses of the chapter. It is called the 70 weeks, 70 weeks of years which relate to God's timetable in dealing with his people. Now, a correct understanding of this and then all the other prophecies makes sense. The reason critics and liberals and people who just don't want to believe what God says find it easy not to is because they begin with premises, with, with assumptions that are not valid. For instance, the critics begin with the assumption that Daniel was written in the 2nd century B.C., when in point of fact it was written in the 6th century B.C., 400 years earlier. And if we will properly understand this and simply let the Bible validate itself, then all other prophecy will fall into the right time frame of consideration. Now this chapter, as Daniel identifies it in, chap in verse 1, occurs after the fall of Babylon in the year 537 B.C., which is the same year as chapter 6 of Daniel. Now, Daniel is an old man, and this occurs 69 years after the exile when they were carried off to Babylon, and one year prior to the time, as Jeremiah had prophesied, that the people of Israel would begin to return to Jerusalem. Now, in verses 1 and 2, here is what I have called the prophecy observed. Daniel writes, in the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus of Median descent, who was made king over the kingdom of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, observed in the books the number of the years which was revealed as the word of the Lord to the prophet Jeremiah for the completion of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. Daniel is now 87 years old, and for the second time, he has been called out of retirement to try to stabilize the government of the Babylonian region, which has just come under the domination of a new world empire. Notice that Daniel had been reading the Bible as he always did. He had been reading the Bible and seeing what it taught he then began to pray that the Holy Spirit would illumine his spirit 
and reveal what it meant to him. Now, Daniel's Bible ended with the prophecy of Ezekiel. That was the last book that he had. And he didn't obviously have the book of Daniel, which follows Ezekiel, nor did he have any of the other prophets between there and the end of the Old Testament. But he knew well and studied all of the Bible that he did have. Now, what he was reading in the book of Jeremiah was chapters 25 to 29. Only, unfortunately, he didn't know it was chapters 25 to 29, for the books of the Bible only had a starting place and an ending place. And uh, if you want to talk about something that was difficult, in order to be able to quote Scripture, they had to memorize the entire book because they had no verses, no chapters. It was just one place to the other. Chapters 25 to 29 are right in the middle of the book of Jeremiah, and it is in these places that Jeremiah said in plain and simple language that because of the sins of the people, they would be deported to Babylon where they would stay for 70 years and then they would begin to come back to their homes. As he studied the Word of God, he was burdened for his people because he knew that they were not really ready spiritually to receive the promise of a return home that God had made. I would hope that as we approach the Word of God, that it would have the same effect on us. Notice that Daniel is not only a prophet, he's a student of prophecy. He knew what the prophetic teachings were. And notice that Daniel, even at this advanced age, with great responsibilities, always, always made time for the Bible and for prayer. And then in verses 3 through 11, here is the prayer offered. Because of what he had read and because of his burden, Daniel says, So I gave my attention to the Lord God to seek him by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. And I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed and said... and. We won't read all of it, but some of what he said. Now, he addresses God and he says, We have sinned, committed iniquity, acted evil, and rebelled, even turning aside from your commandments and ordinances. Moreover, we have not listened to thy servants, the prophets, who spoke in thy name to our kings and all of our people. Righteousness belongs to you, but to us open shame belongs. Verse 9, to the Lord our God belongs compassion and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against him. Nor have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his teachings. Indeed, all Israel has transgressed thy law and turned aside, not obeying thy voice. So the curse has been poured out on us. See the determination the earnestness, the penitent attitude, the candidness, the humility, and the unselfishness of Daniel's prayer. This prayer is, is much like the model prayer that the Lord Jesus offered, for it contains all the elements of true prayer. It contains adoration, confession, supplication, 
confidence in God and a carrying of a great burden to God and leaving it there. He acknowledges that it is the sin of the people that has brought God's judgment. Now, one very striking feature of the prayer is this. Notice that Daniel does not accuse others who were much more guilty than was he of being faithless. Daniel was one of the choice men of Israel. We know that from the time of his capture, he was faithful to God all of his life. He was not responsible. It was not his sin that caused Israel to go into exile. But he was one of the people. And rather than accusing somebody else before God, Daniel totally identified himself with them. Look what he says. He says, we have sinned. He considered himself among the people even though he was not as guilty as others were. They had disobeyed the law, he says. They had refused to obey the prophets. And there were no valid excuses for what they had done. And worse still, they had not yet repented. That's what got Daniel bothered. They have been carried into exile where they've been in a foreign land for over a generation and they still haven't repented. And Daniel knows that by God's timetable, God is ready to take them home again. But they are not ready to go. And so Daniel prays for them. Now, how was it that Daniel touches God when he prays? Well, all of the classic things are there, all of the basic things. Daniel identified the will of God in God's Word. Daniel was moved to pray for the people because of what he read in Jeremiah. And having identified the Word, he prayed that God might fulfill his own will. Daniel's prayer touched God because Daniel prayed according to the will of God. Daniel's prayer touched God because Daniel prayed intensely. It touched God because Daniel prayed sincerely for others. And he prayed with boldness, coming before God, asking openly for a miracle for what he wanted God to do. Let us remember that we are all part of an imperfect race. And let us remember, as Daniel did, that we have sinned. And then in verses 12 to 19, here is the promise kept. Now in these verses, which we will not read, Daniel totally vindicates the righteousness of God. Daniel goes back and he tells the Lord, he says, Lord, I know that you told our people when you brought us out of Egypt. Now, I'll add a little bit to it, but this is the background Daniel speaks from. You told us when we came out of Egypt and when we possessed the promised land that as long as we were true to you, you would protect us. But if we rebelled against you and followed foreign gods, you would exile us to a foreign land. And we went right ahead and did it anyway, not believing you would do what you said. He vindicates God. He acknowledges that it is the sin of the people that has brought judgment on them. 
And he acknowledges that the sin of anyone in the camp of God's people affects everyone. If there is any sin in the camp, it affects all. God had promised that exile would follow rebellion, but they ignored the promise, the warning, and they went right ahead and did their own thing. God had held off judgment repeatedly. Time and again, he had been merciful and delivered the people and restored them. And time and again, they rebelled. And finally, sin bore its consequences. And now, Daniel is pleading on the basis of God's mercy and his compassion for forgiveness and restoration once again. In verses 20 to 23, here is the prophet aided. Now, I don't know about you, but my prayer has never been so intense and effective with God that while I prayed, one of the archangels came to answer. But that's exactly what happened with Daniel. While Daniel prayed, the man Gabriel, one of the archangels, came in his extreme weariness. He had been praying all day at the time of the evening offering. And he gave instruction and talked with me. And he told Daniel that he had come to give him understanding of the vision. Now, one thing that's very significant about this, look how Daniel identifies this. He didn't say, I'd been praying all day and it was late in the afternoon. Daniel said it was the time of the evening offering. Now, morning and evening in the temple there was a time of offering and worship. Daniel has been away from home for 69 years. The temple has been shut down for those 69 years, and yet Daniel, faithful to God, remembers his habit of worship, and every day he observed the time of the evening offering of worship with God. Gabriel told Daniel that he was a man whom God desired. In other words, God wanted to be with Daniel. Do you wonder why? Do you wonder why God wanted to be with him? He was a man aided, answered even while he prayed because of his faithfulness. As he prays, the archangel comes to him. Now the bulk of the prophetic importance in the chapter are these remaining verses, verses 24 to 27, the prophecy explained. I want us to read these verses, and then we'll go through them and explain them. Gabriel says to Daniel, Seventy weeks have been decreed for your people and your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of all sin, to make atonement for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. So you are to know and discern that from the issuing of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there will be seven weeks and sixty-two weeks. It will be built again with plaza and moat, even in times of distress. Then, after the 62 weeks, the Messiah will be cut off and have nothing. 
and the people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary, and its end will come with a flood. Even to the end there will be war. Desolations are determined. And he will make a firm covenant with many for one week. Now he is the prince who is to come, the Antichrist, in verse 26. But in the middle of the week, he will put a stop to sacrifice and offering, and on the wing of abominations who will come, one who makes desolate, even until a complete destruction, one that is decreed is poured out on the one who makes desolate. Now, the 70 years of captivity are the departure point from which God reveals to Daniel that there will be 70 prophetic weeks of history. Now, the word weeks really means sevens. Seventy sevens. It's like our English word dozens. A dozen means twelve. The English word is heptad, H-E-P-T-A-D. There are seventy heptads, seventy groups of seven involved in prophecy. Now, obviously, from the context and as it is explained, it means seventy weeks of years. Seventy times seven years. In other words, Prophecy has a significance from this point forward of 490 years total. But these 70 weeks of years are not consecutive. As Gabriel points out here, there are three groups of years. First, he talks about seven weeks of years. That's 49 years. Then he talks about 62 weeks of years. That is 434 years. And then in the last of the passage, he talks about one week or seven years. 49, 434, and 7 equals 490 years. There will be a long interval in which we live right now between the 69th week and the 70th week. The great tribulation of seven years in the book of Revelation is the 70th week of Daniel's prophecy. These verses 26 and 27, can you read through them without being strongly reminded of Revelation? In Revelation we are told that the prince who is to come, the Antichrist, will make a peace treaty with the Jews. But halfway through the tribulation, he will violate the treaty, desecrate the temple, and persecute the Jews, just like this says. The 70th week of Daniel is the great tribulation period at the end of time. Now, Daniel is told that when the 70th week is complete, there will be an end of all evil once and for all. Now, notice first, and I'll try to make sense. In verse 25, he says there will be seven weeks and 62 weeks. What's the significance of that? It is historical fact 
that from the decree, which we'll talk about the decrees in a moment, that allowed Jerusalem to be rebuilt to the building of the temple were 49 years. From the time that the king who authorized the rebuilding of the city, I said the temple, that's wrong. There were three decrees prior to the fourth one that allowed the temple to be rebuilt. But notice here, he says, from the decree that allows the city to be rebuilt. From that decree, it was 49 years until the temple was finished. Seven weeks of years, 49 years. Also, the book of Malachi was written in the year that the temple was finished, which means the temple was finished and the Old Testament canon was closed at the end of the seven weeks of years mentioned here. He says there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. It is a fact that it was 434 years from the dedication of the completed temple, the end of the Old Testament, to the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Now, is that coincidence? Sir Robert Anderson, a great archaeologist, mathematician, and Bible scholar of another generation in England, has proven by use of the ancient Hebrew and Babylonian calendars that it was 483 years to the day from the dedication of the temple to the death of Jesus Christ. God doesn't deal in inexactness. And yet the skeptics and critics would rather believe that it's all coincidence if it's true at all. He says there will be seven years and 62 years, and then he goes on to say that at the end of the 69th week, Messiah will be cut off and have nothing. And so it was 483 years from the day that the decree was issued to rebuild Jerusalem to the death of Jesus Christ. Now, how does that all work out? Well, there were four decrees, and some of the critics have confused them all, but it's clear in Scripture that they're different. In 536, which is 70 years exactly, 536 B.C., the first decree was issued as recorded in Ezra chapter 1 by Cyrus the king. Cyrus's decree allowed the temple to be rebuilt. It didn't say anything about restoring the city and rebuilding the wall. The second decree mentioned in Ezra chapter 6 was mentioned by Darius in 519 B.C., 17 years later. Darius affirmed the decree of Cyrus and allowed work to continue on the temple. The third decree mentioned in Ezra 7 was issued by Artaxerxes, one of the kings, in 458 B.C. And the fourth decree issued by another Artaxerxes, his son, in Nehemiah chapter 2 was issued in 440. 5 B.C. And it is the only one of the four decrees 
that allowed the city to be restored and the wall to be rebuilt. It is 483 years from that decree in 445 B.C. to the death of Jesus Christ. 483 years. Now, between this time, all of prophecy occurs except the Great Tribulation, called by the prophets the time of Jacob's trouble, called many things, a time of distress, the day of the Lord, the year of the Lord's vengeance. That is the remaining thing, the 70th week of Daniel's prophecy is yet in the future. You see, when Messiah came, when Jesus came, and Israel rejected Him and crucified Him, God's clock of prophecy, which had been ticking toward the end of time, stopped ticking, and it has not ticked since. And when the rapture occurs, the clock will start again, and it will be seven years remaining to the earth before the end of time. Now, the prince who is to come, as I mentioned, is the Antichrist, who shall destroy the city in the middle of the 70th week. He will betray Israel, and it says that he will rule until total destruction is poured out on him as it is decreed. And as it is revealed in the book of Revelation, the first occupants of the lake of fire, the place of eternal torture, shall be the Antichrist, the beast, and the false prophet, who shall be cast there. Now at the end of the 70th week, Christ shall come. It won't be long according to what prophecy indicates. This is the high point in many ways of the book of Daniel. It shows us how all of the prophecies and all of the promises that God has made to Israel shall be kept and how they shall be fulfilled. Knowing what will happen, shall we not, as Daniel did, order our priorities to work toward the day when no one will have another opportunity to be saved? May we pray. Father in heaven, would you allow us just a little understanding of what it's going to be like when there's no more opportunity and when the clock runs out and the 70th week begins. And would you give us a desire beyond all things, to fit into your plan of preparation for that time and to help folks come to know what it means to be saved. Father, grant us an understanding of prophecy in order that it might enhance our ability to be effective for you. Minister life to us through your word. Receive our repentance. Restore us fully because of your grace. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
We stand to sing hymn 349, Have Thine Own Way, during this time of commitment. What God would have you do tonight, if it involves a commitment publicly or privately, do it right now. Do it quickly.